Welcome everybody to your favorite day of the week, except Adam. It's probably not his favorite day of the week right now. It is not. <laughs> I am Anthony Irwin. That is Adam Matis. The Lakers just took a commanding 3-1 lead over the Denver Nuggets. Everybody is making the Nuggets have the Lakers right where they want them joke. So I'm not going to do that. Thank I am God. above such easy humor. What you should have done is given a shout out to my guy, Wancho Ana Gomez, missing minicamp for a movie, an Adam Sandler movie. It's a, an Adam a, Sandler movie. A heck of a flex, man. I was just saying that in our, in our group DM that Wancho Hernan Gomez is the kind of name that Rob Schneider would play a Mexican in, in one of those Adam Sandler wow. movies. Wow. Super offensive, just like super easy. My guy, Wancho, man, he's a, he's a great one. Uh, it's super good looking guy. He he looks like a movie star. He's so Le, Le, it's a LeBron movie. I'm told, or there's some like LeBron connection. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, like, I, look, man, this is a tough day. You know, my nug my nugs are down three one. It's not looking great. But if the Lakers steal my guy Juancho Hernan Gomez, that's going to be a, this off is going to be a complete disaster. <laughs> Honestly, the Lakers could use him. Uh, like you said, the Lakers beat the Nuggets in in a weird game. Like the the, the comparison I made it to it in in uh, in Lockdown Lakers tonight as they beat the Nuggets one fourteen to one oh eight was. Did you ever watch the old Jungle Book cartoon, the Disney one? I mean, come on. Of course. Remember, remember the scene where Mowgli is like hanging on to the tiger. Yeah. Right. It. That's honestly how this felt. Like I was just praying to god that the time would run out i i yeah. thought the i, I yeah. thought the nuggets were coming and the lakers were relying on on free throws down the stretch i mean i gotta tell you anthony i i just am so uh, this is my favorite nuggets team ever i mean of all time it really is they're just they've been such a good story i mean it's not over it's 3-1 it doesn't look great odds are against them vegas vegas likes the lakers um mm -hmm. but they just this this game was sort of them in a microcosm of the entire playoffs of just they got knocked to the canvas 20 different times in this game. I mean, the Lakers mm -hmm. kept going up by 10. Anthony Davis starts the game just absolutely on fire. You know, there were so many little moment, momentum moments where you looked at it and you go, oh, my God. And me watching it goes, oh, my God, they're done. That's it. That's the kicker. And Denver just kept coming back and just kept fighting. And it was, you know, not always in sports does it work out where – you know that scrappy underdog gets the glory, but this was a this was one of those games where I think if you're a Nuggets fan, you watch it and at least you you tip your hat to them and say, man, that team didn't quit. I mean, it's it's just one of the coolest stories I think in 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 the NBA especially right now, given how much player movement and and how much like team players are are are, are teaming up to make these super teams. I think the the coolest thing that a fan base can possibly ask for is for their homegrown talent to grow into something that they're proud of, you know? Yeah. And I, and like for me as a Lakers fan, and I'm saying this as the Lakers traded their entire young core away for Anthony Davis, uh, I would, it would be nice to be able to root for like if, if Anthony Davis was a homegrown Laker right. or, you know, Kyle Kuzma wasn't completely useless in this series. Like it would be nice to be able to root for some homegrown talent here. 
And, and yeah, in, in that respect, I, I, I do find myself kind of jealous of, of, of what Nuggets fans have to root for. That's On why Magic and that, Kobe like, are in a different super... sort of a different tier than Kareem and LeBron, right? I mean, there's, there's and even Shaquille, like there's a little bit yeah. of a different, Magic and Kobe are, are seem like one and two in whatever order you put them as the, the ultimate Lakers. Yeah, yeah. And like West before that too, uh-huh. you know, like even like they had Will, right? Who was right. the most dominant player ever. But people look at West as the the Laker right. in that in that conversation. Anywho, uh, I want we're going to talk about this game to start the show. The second segment. Look, this is a Lakers. You are locked on Nuggets, host of Locked On Nuggets. I am host of Locked On Lakers. We are going to focus on. We're equipped to talk about the series. Yeah, <laughs> L- Lakers <laughs> Nuggets is is going to be the focus of the show. And then in the in the third segment, we'll broaden the the conversation open to the uh, our power rankings this week which is going to be power ranking the four remaining of the four remaining teams, which are the most likely and least likely eventually to uh, get back to the conference finals next year. But like I said, let's start though with, with that game. I'm not, I don't want to talk about the refereeing. Can I just, can I just, yeah, can we start there? Like, do we, I, I don't want to do talk it. about it. Yeah. It I don't sucks. either. It's a stupid conversation. This, this series has been too much fun to, to bring it up. I agree. Let's start. Let's talk about the actual basketball here. And I thought the story to me was Jamal Murray playing horse with the Lakers. That was insane. <laughs> yeah, he was fantastic, man. And I, it's funny. This, I, I thought he was going to have a great game because he finished that last one so so strongly. And yeah. you could just kind of see it. And he had that look mm-hmm. in his eye. He was resilient. He was determined. And his glow up is one of the great stories of this playoffs, if not the number one great story, Um, Mm -hmm. just how much he has sort of taken a leap in these moments. And he hit some tough shots, Anthony. I mean, he hit some absolutely insane, that left hander, the uh, Michael Jordan reverse through LeBron. I mean, first over him, then under him and somehow (laughs) reverses it over LeBron, under LeBron, left side, right side, and, and somehow makes it. It's one of those shots that looked impossible and then you watch it in slow motion and it looks like he perfect, you know, like a, like yeah. he stuck the landing. He was fantastic. He played good enough to win um, tonight. And uh, unfortunately just came up a little bit shy. I, I thought the, the left-handed shot, like the, the Michael Jordan reverse thing is going to get the most attention, but that shot he made with his left hand, I told, cause I, my, my parents are in town. It's the first time I've been able to watch a Lakers game with my dad in like, what feels like, 30 years and and uh, i told them while while we were watching the game that's not the that's the kind of shot that you look back on after you lose by like three yeah say, man that feels like the difference it's kind of like sometimes in a close game the opposing team or, or the winning team somebody banks in a three-pointer you say well it's not our night it's not yeah. how that's gonna go i thought when he made that shot it's such a ridiculous shot and by the way we, we're not positive. It was the toughest shot that he made. Right. The, the, the runner that he made over AD off of his right foot gliding to his left, uh, you know, the floor I that felt he like had he was there. make all of them, honestly. I mean, it was it, insane. So I tell people this, but, you know, Jamal Murray was idolized Kobe Bryant as well. A lot of players in the NBA did, but Jamal Murray specifically went to his camp, was invited to that invite only mm-hmm. camp last summer. Um, talks about him in his post game. Jamal Murray, a lot of people know the story about him and his dad raising him you know, on Kung Fu and on Bruce Lee and this whole philosophy of the mind and overcoming things. Mm -hmm. And I think Jamal Murray, 
you look at the young players who are, you know, who really you can notice their influence from Kobe. And I think Jamal Murray has to be at the top of that list of players because he's just so focused. You talk about the Nuggets and how resilient they've been in this playoffs. Well, Jamal Murray has been the number one most resilient Nugget. And tonight, he just had that look of, it's not always going to be pretty. It's not always going to be smart. It's not always going to be this or that. But I'm just a refusal to lose or, you know, a willingness to attack every player. And he came through for almost, almost enough to get it done tonight against some of the best players of all time. Whose fourth quarter stuck out the most to you? Jokic doesn't score. LeBron James required free throws to score. What, 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 what well, was the most, what was the most noticeable to you? Well, I mean, I think LeBron conversation is a broader conversation. So maybe we save it for, um, for yeah. segment two, but you know, Jokic is, I don't think it was Jokic's fourth quarter. I thought it was all of his game really tonight. You know, the stats were okay. Um, he ends up 16, going for 16.7 rebounds, four assists in 36 minutes, basically. Um, the foul trouble, I think threw him off the rebounding, just the physicality of the white, I think threw him off, but I fully expected him in that fourth quarter to kind of step up. He picks up two quick fouls. He goes into the fourth quarter with three. He picks up two quick fouls, goes to the bench, and when he came back in, I, he just didn't. Ha- he never was able to establish a rhythm. So, for me, if you're on Denver's side, you look at this game and you say the rebounding is what lost the game for you. Denver just could not get mm-hmm. an offensive, a defensive rebound. It gave the Lakers too many ch- second chance points. Denver's defense, by the way, especially their half court defense, phenomenal in this series. I know that's going to yeah. get d- swept under the rug. Lakers can score Shouldn't. on you. Denver has made them work really hard tonight. The difference was they got all those second and third ch- chance opportunities. And that was just enough to tilt it in their favor. But yeah, Jokic tonight, if he has an average playoff game for him, I think Denver wins this one. And unfortunately he picked a bad night to have, of what I think was maybe his worst outing of the playoffs outside of game two against Utah. Yeah, heading into this game, game the conversation, at least for, for Lakers fans, was who should start? Should it be Markeith? It wasn't going to be JaVale. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, Frank Vogel said that once they lost that game, JaVale was not going to be the starting center in game four. So it came down to would it be Markeith starting at the four or would it be Dwight starting at the five? And I was on board with Dwight starting at the five because I thought Dwight would set a physicality tone that he did. It was just, it was so obvious when he would enter the game and try to up the physicality of the game that referees would notice it. But if right. you're starting the game and everybody is playing, oh, it physical, establishes a baseline. That's a good it point. It establishes that, yeah, the expectation there, okay, the referees say, okay, this is how they're going to play this game. And, and I think, you know, the Lakers are at their best. This is one of the things that you and I have talked about now a couple times. The Lakers are at their best when they're, when they're towing the line of what is and isn't a foul and forcing the referees to call everything. And they're not yeah. going to. Right, right. And I thought, I thought Dwight coming in and, and playing that way, uh, I, you know, now whether or not, you know, the, the calls are inconsistent, I, again, I don't want to touch on that stuff. But I thought that was the key to the Lakers approach in this one was Dwight just coming in and immediately being that enforcer. Yeah, the rebounding in that first quarter was the story. I mean, Anthony Davis, we've talked about this a lot. He's a great player. He was making all those shots, and I felt like Denver stayed connected in that game. It wasn't until the second and third chance points that just seemed to happen. I mean, it's if you break this game, this game down, Anthony Davis scores like 12 points in the first four minutes, and he's on fire. Mm-hmm. Then after that, Dwight Howard grabs five offensive rebounds in a row, and, and to me, that was the difference. That was where the Lakers pulled out to their big lead, and that's where – you know, Denver kind of, you could tell, tell that they were bothered by it. So it was really good. I'm curious 
another sort of subplot to this to the to what happened there when Paul Millsap is on the court, Denver has Jokic and Millsap, two guys, and okay, maybe you lose the rebound battle, but it's not so heavy that it kills you. Millsap mm-hmm. picks up two fouls immediately in this game, has to check out. Torrey Craig comes in, and Torrey Craig's Brutal. a guard. Now you have Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Dwight Howard on the Dwight court, Howard. and your power forward is Torrey Craig, who's you know 200 pounds. And to me, that was that's where Denver kind of lost control. Do you, do you adjust there and maybe bring Plumlee instead of Craig there? I mean, you're asking me, and I, I say yes. I mean, there's. I, I think you still start with Paul Millsap. He needs to do mm-hmm. a better job yeah. of not fouling. I thought his two fouls early were kind of silly ones. Um, mm-hmm. It could, easily could have been avoided. And so he's got to stay on the court. But Mason Plumley, I think, has a role against the Lakers' big lineup. Yeah. Tonight they deployed, the Nuggets deployed the Jokic Plumley two center lineup. Nobody in the, you know, very few teams in the NBA playing two true centers. Nuggets mm-hmm. give that one, but it was against Markeith Morris at power forward. I thought that was a weird call. Mm-hmm. I think Mason Plumley does give him the length and athleticism to at least challenge that two big lineup that the Lakers have. But to do that, here's the problem Denver's in. If you're going to play Mason Plumley, then you need to have more shooting on the perimeter. And that means. Michael Porter Jr. needs to be playing more minutes as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that Michael Malone feels comfortable with that. It seems pretty clear he, he isn't. Yeah. Which kind of sucks mean, because like, the, the minutes he was on the court tonight had me the most nervous he's had me to this point in the series. Now, it, it, it helped you know, that he he's was the guarded number by one. Kyle Kuzma. And was right. getting, he's the number one. Everything that he wanted. Plus but, yeah. minus. Raw plus minus. And he's, not even, he's playing like the seventh most minutes. So it's kind of yeah. interesting that when he's on the court, the Nuggets usually are winning. But... Again, he's a high-mistake player, and playing high-mistake players in high-leverage games, is most coaches will avoid that. Yep. All right, let's take a quick second here. When we come back, we're going to look at the rest of the series, both to this point and then moving forward. Uh, and, 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 man, this has been a fun one. It's going to suck when this thing ends. I, I've really enjoyed the series. So again, I don't want to make that that three one joke that everybody is making, but the the the, the Lakers are now up three one. How likely is it? The how confident are you in in Denver surviving the weekend? I mean 50-50. You know, if you look at this, somebody tweeted out that Well, yeah, technically every game is 50-50. Well, you're either you, going to win or you're going to lose. If you look at games 2, 3 and 4, I think somebody said that they are dead even. And you look at them, all three mm-hmm. games have been razor thin, right? Denver gets out to that big lead in game 3 but then coughs it up. Anthony Davis knocks down that shot uh at, at the buzzer. This game goes right down to the wire. So you look at all of these games and you go, I think these two teams are a lot closer than most people realize. So of course, how you close games matters and Lakers have closed more than you know better than the Nuggets have even if you go back to the regular season right before the all-star break they play goes to overtime in the bubble Kyle Kuzma hits a game winner all of these these two teams play each other within five points it seems like every single game so I think that one goes a little bit to a coin flip Denver has shown just how resilient they are I think you can count on a better performance from from Jokic and I think you can count on a few adjustments from Denver to what uh, the Lakers were able to have success with the Nuggets have looked somewhat comfortable. Actually, I'd say pretty comfortable scoring the ball in the half court. They've looked pretty comfortable relative to what people expect defending the Lakers in the half court. Offensive rebounds, turnovers, those have been the things that th- those are the margins, but those are the things that the Lakers seem to be winning, you know, more often than not. Yeah, I, I think what it kind of comes down to because you're right. 
Denver looks considerably more comfortable than the Lakers do in the half court by a lot. It's night and day, night and day. And it's pretty crazy when you consider one team has something that they can go to as, as effective as you would think LeBron James, Anthony Davis pick and roll would be. Uh, the problem, though, is that, and this is something that, that we kind of alluded to in the first segment, and now we just we have to admit it, LeBron doesn't look that good, man. This is a big story. I think more if you just kind of look at going forward, not just the series, but you know, a potential finals matchup looming. That was the biggest surprise to me tonight was Denver had to claw back, and there were a lot of moments of, okay, LeBron has the ball. Let's see what happens here. Paul Millsap, he's got him on an island. Can't get around him. Jeremy Grant, he's got him on an island. He settles for a mid-range jumper. There just was a lot of, huh, I thought LeBron was going to be able to pull that one off. And he didn't. not only did he not make his jumpers, he settled for his jumper because he couldn't get to the rim. And he did so unwillingly. Like, he wasn't interested in shooting those jumpers. And I think right, that's really exactly. what... Right, yeah, exactly. He wanted to get to the rim and couldn't, so he took the jumper out of necessity. Well, but I, but it, it's, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. Right, because the reason he can't get to the rim is because they're playing him to shoot his right. jumper. They're begging him to shoot his jumper, and he doesn't want to do that. He's not confident in his jumper, and and then he eventually has to take it anyway. Like it was wild. I was watching, I, I was watching again this with my dad, and we were just screaming at the TV like, "Go, yeah. do something!" He spent so much time just yo-yoing the ball up at the top of the key, and and then oh. That's it. The Lakers have five seconds now to score. Right. Yeah, there were a lot of no, late, late possession. Yep. There was no rhythm at all to what, what the Lakers were doing. And, you know, I gave Jeremy Grant a lot of credit in uh, the show that we, you and I did, the crossover show that we did yesterday, in, in his ability to stay disciplined and, and not try to get up in LeBron's jersey. And, and I thought down the stretch – the difference in the, in this game was that he eventually tried to in spots that he didn't have to. Oh, 100%. You're thinking of the rip through at the yeah. perimeter. There was like six seconds on the clock, and you're right. LeBron hadn't made a jumper in, uh, you know, three quarters, and yeah. he pushed up into him. LeBron rips through and is able to get draw the foul, and you're thinking, Jeremy, what were you doing there? Right. Well, and then and then in a, a couple of plays later, he tries to take that charge on the sideline. It yeah, yeah. Hurt, hurt the Nuggets twice over because they challenged on that. Right, on that right. And, and gave up a timeout on it. So I just, you know, I, I think Jeremy Grant has been fantastic all series, but those two possessions felt like the difference in this game. Like it come, yeah. coming down the stretch, the Lakers couldn't get anything going. And then you're now allowing LeBron. And to be honest, I wasn't particularly confident with LeBron stepping to the free throw line, given how poorly he was shooting. Yeah. But, but that's still a better, it's a better look than, than the, the Lakers were getting on the stretch when they weren't at the free throw line. So. Yeah, he, and you know, he played some really nice defense on, on Jamal Murray down the stretch. I, think there were, yeah. I really think there were only two possessions where Jamal tried him. Once he gets the block, the other one was that one that you know, the replay showed probably yeah. should have been called a foul but you know he he expended a lot of energy on that end but mm -hmm. to your point we've seen lebron be a two-way player in the fourth quarter for 17 years yeah. and now you watch him and you look at that and you go okay i'm not i'm i don't know there's at least there for you to kind of question and say if the nuggets were to have pushed them better if this was a 2-2 series if denver won this game tonight and that's what you saw from lebron there would have been enough for you to wonder hmm i wonder if he does have it in him to kind of press you know, we'll see what the Nuggets can do going forward, and and should the Lakers advance, we'll see what either the Heat or Celtics can do to try to take advantage of that. They do have more strength and length on the perimeter to to maybe make him work even harder. But I think it seems sacrilegious to question LeBron James 
I've as an adult, I've only ever known the version of LeBron that has another gear to tap into. But this is by far the most I've ever sort of suspected. Maybe he doesn't. I mean, everybody was getting ready for one of those LeBron games in game. Four. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, including him, thinking, by the way, yeah. including him. I think Dude, he had the look of a guy that wanted to come out and do the 40 point. We're putting this yeah. thing in the game. And there, and, and he just, he just can't. And in the way that I've kind of phrased this to you and then, and over the other shows that I've done is basically like, it used to be, it didn't matter the circumstances around him. He was going to have that game. He was going to be yeah. such a force of nature that he was going to get his. And that was that, that was the conversation. Whereas now, because Danny Green is not interested in playing in this series, because Kyle Kuzma just is terrified of catching the ball, because Alex Caruso shot his fallen off of a cliff, and the only real consistent shooters that the Lakers have is KCP and uh, Markeith Morris. And, and, and by consistent shooters, I mean guys who consistently look like they want to shoot the ball from three-point right. range. There is no space KCP been fantastic, by the way, in this series. He he's, he's hits. A, a talk, I know the... You'd never like award the X factor, the game ball, but if you did, KCP would have won it tonight because every three yeah. that he hit was right on time. Yeah, absolutely. But but I guess the the, the way I was, uh, you know, the, the point I was making there with with LeBron was that he now needs more specific situations to be able to have that LeBron game, and yeah. he's part of the reason why he can't have it. If he's not shooting the ball very well or not shooting the ball at all, then he becomes fairly easy to guard by LeBron standards. So yeah. see that changes. That's going to do it though for, for, for our coverage of this series. I think that the Lakers win game five, just because, you know, with AD now nursing an ankle with LeBron nursing a couple bumps to his leg. I think both those guys, LeBron especially is going to understand how badly they need whatever extra rest they might be able to get just in case Boston comes back and wins a game or two and extends that series. So that that would be my my bet there, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be particularly comfortable putting much money on it. Uh, when we come back here, we are going to talk about our power rankings this week, which will uh, which will cover now focusing also on on Boston and Miami, the teams of these last four most likely to to be in the situation next year. So just as we do every single week, we are going to throw out some new power ranking that isn't necessarily your traditional power rankings here. Uh, Adam, go ahead and, and, and explain your thought process before we get to the actual list itself. Well, so this one, the list is only four teams. So in some ways, you would think this is simpler, right? There's only Lakers, Celtics, Heat, Nuggets, and okay, we're talking about the chances of them to all return. It's tough because there's a lot of factors here. Some of this is which conference is going to have the toughest road. Some of this is which, you know, trying to guess about what happens in free agency with some key players. Um, and, and then you try to factor in LeBron's age. I mean, he it's weird to say at this moment, but LeBron looks kind of old. Like he looks like he's not, he's only yeah. going to be getting worse. So what does that mean 365 days from now? We have a schedule next season. We don't know yet. Is it a little bit more condensed? Are there a little bit more back-to-backs you know is what are the situations so there's a lot of questions that go into this one and i putting these in order i found it really really hard i i watch you put these lists together every week 
And this was by far the most talking to yourself you've done ever <laughs> <laughs> in trying to figure this yeah. out. So let's start with number four. Who, who's the least likely of these remaining four teams to be back here next year? Well, first of all, let me say, I think there's a chance all four teams are back. I, the, the, it really is. Yeah. It wouldn't, it would, I would not at all be surprised if all four teams came back. But I had to put my nuggets number four for a couple reasons. And I'll go through all of them. Number one, this team was down 3-1 in the first round, and they did look like maybe they weren't going to make it. You can't say mm -hmm. that about the Lakers. You can't say that about the Celtics. You can't say that about the Heat. All those teams mm -hmm. pretty comfortably got to where they are in this, to this point so far. Um, that Toronto series was a fantastic one, but Toronto is you know, a pretty good team as well. So, yeah. um, so I also think the Western Conference is going to be harder. You know, The Clippers, who knows what they do, but they're, they're going to be a good team. Golden State coming back. You just – there's – I think for the foreseeable future, the Western Conference, and this includes the Lakers, by the way, the Western Conference, there's not going to be easy first-round matchups. You might get lucky with a team that has an injury or this or that, but I think the first round next year, the Western Conference playoffs will be competitive all four series. So yeah. because of that, I put Denver like. Now, the last thing for Denver, Jeremy Grant's a free agent. I think Denver's going to resign him. He actually has a player option, but I think Denver's going to be able to resign him. But I don't. I'm not 100% certain they are. And he's he's sort of a a piece that holds the whole thing together. I mean, he's so good defensively. He can knock mm -hmm. down an open shot. He stays in his lane. He's got weaknesses. That's why he's a role player, not a star. But there is at least a tiny chance that Denver doesn't retain Jeremy Grant. He's played so well in these playoffs. I think a lot of teams will be calling or be making him offers. So that that swings it in in one direction. Um, I don't know. I would not at all be surprised if Denver was back and better than ever. But I also, when you compare them to the other teams we're going to talk about, I, I'm just not sure. Do you think? Do you think they just carry on on this trajectory, or do you think they start to go a little bit more all in, given how close they appeared this year? Well, so that's it's a great question. It all comes down to Michael Porter and how the team evaluates him. Because I, my belief, I'm extremely high on Michael Porter. I wish he would have played more minutes this year because I think he would have been more prepared for the moment that he's in. He's just not prepared for it. Yeah. Denver. And small market teams in general find themselves in this position a lot. You've got Paul Millsap, who you had to pay a little extra to get to lure him in. Paul Millsap mm -hmm. might be the greatest free agent Denver's ever signed in 55 years. <laughs> and they had to pay him $90 million just to keep him. But he's looking like he's on his last legs. I mean, LeBron both. So yeah. he's aging. Michael Porter's not quite ready. And it seems like right when Michael Porter arrives, Paul Millsap will be out the door. So it's one of those things where you're always trying to like, you know, it's whack-a-mole. You whack one down and another one uh, appears. With Michael Porter, it's going to be more about just the culture fit. He's such a talented player. Does he fit into what Denver's trying to build? And if not, yeah, you could probably move him for a Bradley Beal or a Drew Holiday, a player that I think has a probably, in my opinion, a little bit of a lower upside, but who is ready now and who's really good. And mm -hmm. so I don't know if, if Denver makes those moves. I don't even know if I would necessarily be more or less confident in them because a Bradley Bill is going to make you better offensively. Does it help you defensively? I don't know. So um, I don't know. Denver, Denver, I think, has a chance to win the championship next year. I think they're going to be on the board for teams most likely. Yet I have them fourth in this ranking. I, there, there are three other really good teams here. Yeah. You know, so there's there's no there's no knock on being fourth. Who's third? Third for me was the Miami Heat, and this one was really tough. Um, hmm. Heat and Celtics, you could have gone back and forth. I mean, the Heat have been in control of the series. They have some really nice young talent. So, um, you know, I think there's a level of this being sustainable. 
Iguodala is a piece of this team, makes an impact on it. Goran Dragic is a free agent. You got Jay Crowder, a free agent. You've got um, also how <laughs> how replicable is this Jay Crowder postseason? Yeah, exactly for sure. <laughs> for sure, insane. this is a. But you know what? They built a culture, and I believe in the culture aspect of of, hmm. of the NBA more than anything right now. Just not saying that you're always going to make it to the conference finals, but just it, it makes me more optimistic than say a. Um, you know, a Memphis who maybe is building that culture, but we don't know a new Orleans, a Phoenix, you look at those teams and you go, Oh, they're on the rise. Prove it to me for a while where you actually build something sustainable and have a culture that, that can last. But Miami does. I mean, we just, we, we've seen this from them for two decades now. They have a great culture. Um, but I, I don't know, they could have easily been fourth on my list as well, as impressive as they have been throughout all of this. The East is going to be fascinating next year. This, and this is why they went ahead by the way of denver yeah the conference what's uh do you have uh boston at, at two or do you are you gonna are you gonna make me yell at you about the lakers i've got boston at two you can you can relax okay i know i know the lakers <laughs> like to pretend they get no respect and they're this scrappy underdog even though vegas has had them as favorites literally the entire year but you know so not literally there have been too? like a couple months here and there where the clippers were up there not in Vegas. That was maybe in the eye of public opinion, but not Las Vegas. <laughs> no, but the Boston Celtics. So the thing that they have going for them is that the core of that team is, you know, locked in. They're they're going to be there. Tice, mm -hmm. I think, is the biggest sort of maybe question mark on there, unless I'm mistaken. I believe he has a uh, a team option. I guess the I guess you might as well keep a, a team option at five million. He's been fantastic. Yeah. But they have they have a team that I just feel like their floor is so high. Their players you would expect would be better. Tatum and Brown, those guys are just only getting better every single year. So um, if they're already at this level, I think there's a great chance they'd be back. You look at the competition. You know, Toronto probably falling apart. Philadelphia, or when I say falling apart, moving into a new era. Philadelphia, who knows what happens with them? There's been rumors that maybe there's big trades on the horizon. You never know how that's going to go. They haven't exactly managed their assets very well over the last few years. Brooklyn. Who knows? Huge question mark. Maybe they're the next big challenger. Yeah. But I think Boston and Miami, you have to look at and say they have a great chance to be the top, the, the class of the East next year, depending on what happens with Milwaukee. Yeah, I, I wish they had either Boston or Miami had more in the, in the, in the way of ready-made legitimate super duper stars. Like I think Jason Tatum is really, really good. I think Jimmy Butler is, a, is a star but he's not like LeBron. He's not a healthy right. Kevin Durant. He's not, he's not those guys. Hell, even LeBron Tatum, might not Tatum, be LeBron. Tatum might be. You know, we're talking about one year from now. Tatum is at the age where that curve is very steep. And he, mm -hmm. there were moments in his playoffs where he looked absolutely like a superstar. I mean, it's that, that type of player you're talking about. Yeah. Similar to Jamal Murray. There are moments where you watch him and you go, oh, wow, that guy's he's there. Um, the consistency is the next big thing, and then taking it up in a whole other level. And I, I think Tatum is very close. I think next year he will be that guy. Number uh, number one here. Do you want to say it out loud? Or do you want me to say it? Well, it's. I think it's the Lakers. But man, I'll tell you what. The LeBron question hangs over everything. So here's yeah. the thing about the Lakers: is one of the reasons I think that they do not, by any means, look unbeatable, even to a team like my Nuggets, who I think are you know obviously a, a not perfect team. They're a flawed team. One of the reasons I think that is because the others on this team are very average, very average role players. Danny Green has had a great career at this stage. He's a sometimes make, sometimes guard guy. I mean, Jamal Murray's not exactly struggling on Dan with Danny Green on him right now. Mm -hmm. um, Alex Caruso, 
phenomenal defender, great team defender. Don't know that that guy's going to win you a series on the offensive end. In fact, he's mm-hmm. kind of an anchor. Rajon Rondo is great. Rajon Rondo might be the third best player on the uh, on the Lakers. Who who would have guessed that was the case? But he's been great. But same thing. He hit a huge three tonight, and that's that three that he hit is probably why the Lakers won. But he hit that three because the Nuggets are making a conscious effort not to guard him. So. All of those role players, I think, just improve next year. Even if you just get one extra guy or two extra guys to fill in the gaps, you're a better team. And so that this Lakers team was always going to improve around the margins as they as the years went on, and I suspect that'll happen. Probably through coercion. The <laughs> I wasn't ready for that one. Can't lie. <laughs> It's just, funny because it's a, true, but we'll, that was a, that was a solid well, like elbow you, square to the gut. Just what, like, I, I look, man, I'm having flashbacks when I hear Wancho is out there in, in Hollywood and he's filming movies and some there's some connection to LeBron. I'm going, oh no! Didn't he's you gonna, say Jer- Jeremy Grant was available? Might be. Available. Oh god, that would be the real <laughs> talk about a punch <laughs> to the balls. Oh wow! Uh, I, the things that I'm kind of watching for in terms of of ways that the Lakers could improve. For one thing. I, I, I don't think they can honestly rely on playoff Rondo the way that they prepared to rely on playoff Rondo this year. You think? I, I mean, he I, looks to me like a guy that can do the things that they ask him to do. I, other you're than right, knock down you're a right, but shot. It's so it flies so boldly in the face of everything that we thought we knew about him in the regular season, which maybe the regular season just it, it, it is. No, you're right. At all. You answered your own question. <laughs> and it, it's a it's 100% right. Like, yeah. it, And it's not just the effort. I think a lot of people want to point to it and be like, well, you don't try and then try this. No, it's not that. It's that the regular season is about speed. It's about execution and this and that. The playoffs, are it, it's all up here in your brain. It's all in your mind. You have what are teams trying to force you to do and can you counteract it in real time and, and adjust on the fly? And look, Rondo is an elite chess player in terms of NBA, yeah. NBA basketball. I, I also think that there's a Danny Green or Kyle Kuzma trade to be made that the Lakers can improve their roster too. So they could add with... Man, that mid-level. Kuzma trade should have happened I th- 12 months ago. 12 if they could have traded him coming off of... No, if they could have just traded him coming off of the Houston Rockets series, he'd be yeah. fantastic. They might have actually gotten a player. Uh, but but we'll see. Maybe things turn around here in, in the in the, the remainder of this series, and then maybe let, let me say game. this though, because this ranking easily could have flipped it. Lakers yeah. four, Nuggets number one. I mean, it's that to me, it is that close, and that's part of what was so fun. I think about this bubble, and what has been fun about this season in particular is most years there is a heavy favorite, there's a few challengers, and mm-hmm. then there's everyone else. And I sincerely feel like if we replayed, if we started this playoffs over, you might have Utah. And maybe Dallas or, you know, Lakers and, and I don't, I mean, maybe that's it in the West. Those only those teams really had a chance, but out the other side, you know, Milwaukee got a tough matchup. They lost in the one matchup that I think most people saw. Toronto was close. You know, this was a year where there was a lot of balance at the top and that's part of what made it so fun. Are we looking at next year's top tier? No, no. I think there'll be a lot of things that change between now and then. Um, but I, I do think all four of these teams have a claim to being in that next year. Yeah. I think we might be looking at a really big, like in terms of big, like, like, like there's going to be a lot of teams in that top tier. Let me say this for Denver though. The one thing Michael Porter is just such a supreme talent and it, it's weird, Anthony. I'm trying to think of situations that have players like this. I mean, Tyler hero being on M- M- Miami, that might be an example of a young rookie that 
steps into a great team and performs, but it's very rare. And it's, it'll be, I'm less confident with how the season played off that Michael Porter will fit seamlessly into the Nuggets rotation next year. He should. And if he does, and if Michael Malone finds a way to make that happen, I think Denver vaults right to the top with all these other teams. You're, you have your team in the conference finals right now, and Michael Porter Jr. is like you're getting 10% of him because he doesn't know what he's doing. If you can somehow work him into that, and he projects to be like an 18-point-per-game score or better, then you know Denver can vault to the top of that list. But that's, I just don't have that many points of reference for, for this specific scenario. A great player on an already good and established team. Denver feels like they could do some addition by subtraction. I, I feel like who's like the subtraction? Can, well, like at some point they're going to have a conversation to to like there's going to be a Will Barton versus uh, Will Barton. I think I'm I'm really curious about Will Barton, and let me just put my tinfoil hat on. He left the bubble to rehab a knee injury. We're in the conference finals. If he yeah. was going to come back what would be the point of not coming back by now? Because if you wait any longer, yeah. then you're not even rehabbing anymore, right? So part yeah. of me sits here and wonders, hmm, I wonder what's going on with Will Barton that he hasn't come back. Because you either come back and just rehab and support your team, or you're not in the bubble and it's so late that it's like, well, there's no point in rehabbing out there if you're not going to make it back during the season now. So I don't yeah. know, something weird. But I and, think you're right. They can maybe cash him in for, for something else. And, and Millsap, I think at this stage of his career, you know, yeah. maybe plays less. Like maybe not like losing him. Well, outright. he's a free agent. He's a free agent. Yeah, but either way, though, like even if they bring him back and he just plays a smaller role in what they're trying to do, and you give more of that role to to MPJ, yeah, that that, that feels like an interesting kind yeah, of trade off there. All right, that's going to do it for this episode and this week's episodes of the Locked On NBA podcast. In just a fascinating, fascinating weekend ahead of us where we have on Friday night the Celtics trying to come back from their 3-1 series deficit uh, against the Miami Heat. The Lakers will be trying to close out their series Saturday. Uh, if either, if, if Miami wins, do, do we start getting... You know, <laughs> even more 3-1 series murmurs if the lakers lose on saturday could denver be crawling back into this wild habit they've made over the first couple rounds here last couple rounds uh it, it's there's still plenty of basketball to be played honestly in this in this conference finals so make sure you guys are tuning in not just to locked on nba but to all of the team specific shows in this in, in in the nba but and then also you know nfl is underway baseball is heading into the postseason uh soccer i, I believe is still being played I, i'm not a big soccer guy no matter what you what it is you're looking for whatever team you might be rooting for locked on network has you covered have a great weekend stay safe out there and adam and i will talk to you next weekend